Virginia Franco, chief storyteller, amazing journalist. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today or the LinkedIn live show today, however you want to call it, because everything is backwards. So I understand where Cochero, you know, our new startup, uh, of course, I have the words background, the letters all wrong. So it's Cochero. If you're seeing this upside down, backwards, whatever it is. Okay. But let's pass that. So back to Virginia. So what is a what is a chief storyteller? Because that's that's your thing, right? Yeah. So it's a made up name. I made it. Uh, <laughs> I also came up with the brilliant title, Virginia Franco Resumes, as my company name. I uh, don't have a team of writers. I write everything myself. Um, and what I specialize in is listening to your story and then getting it down on paper or on the screen for today's audiences. So I dubbed myself chief storyteller just to sort of differentiate from what I guess I really do, which is uh, resume writing. I'm an, I'm an executive resume writer, um, but I write all career marketing collateral um, for my clients, resumes, LinkedIn, cover letter, anything of that sort. Hey, when you say chief storyteller then, is it that mm-hmm. let's say I'm one of your clients and I'm looking for a job, it's not just bullet points. You really want to kind of get from me, you know, what would you, yeah, what would you want to get? What would you want to bring out to tell my story? So what I want to know is what brought you to each role, what you liked, what you hated. Um, really understand the before versus after and what role you played in contributing to the after. Um, I want to, at the end of every, whenever I'm talking through someone's history, I always ask them, when you reflect back, what are you proudest of? Where do you feel like you made your impact? And that's the stuff I put in there. That is much more memorable and meaningful than listing out your responsibilities. And what that does is it allows you to give, explain what you did, what your responsibilities were within the context of an achievement. You know, but I need to know all of it. So that's really interesting because you know, over 25 plus years, I don't want to age myself, but I guess the great, the great gives away, (laughs) but it's, you know, when you see so many resumes, a lot of them are just very dry. They're very, Mm -hmm. there's nothing to it. You know, like I did X, Y, Z, and here's one, two, three, and it just doesn't jump out. So it sounds like what you try to do is really get the essence of a person, what they're all about and what they've achieved and what they want to achieve next. Is that Is that kind of right? That's right. That's right. And there's things like values and things they do on the side and things that are really critical to them in their next role. Um, I just spoke with someone today. I'm going to be working with her in a few months. And she said, look, I've been doing this a long time. I'm not going to just leave for anything. So I, I need to work for a company that leans really have that that talks the talk with DEI, that's where career advancement is really important. And so I want to hear how she lives that role, how that part is, is part of her day in and day out job. And I, I include that in the, in the story that I'm telling, but if for someone that that's not important, or they don't want to, you know, they, they want to leave themselves open to all sorts of different companies. I would leave that kind of stuff off. Now, how does it work? Would it be that you want to tell the story of what you've done, or do you focus more on trying to have a resume looking forward and trying Mm -hmm. to is there a difference between the two? Well, to me, there is. You, what you're doing is you are, you're writing the path within the lens of the future. So you mm-hmm. look at the, I, I won't, I personally won't write 
anyone's resume or their LinkedIn unless they're pretty clear on their target. Um, because how you, you know how you write for a finance executive is very different than someone who is a COO or mm -hmm. someone. And if you're so recognizing what the person wants to target next, I pull details out that are relevant to that. So you're talking about the past, keeping the present, the future in mind. And to me, that's how you connect the dots for the reader that's hiring. And, and you, you know, you've recruited a good bit. So you tell me, does that, do you feel like that works? Yeah, I get, because from a recruiter standpoint, what, what I always love to see in a resume is just clarity. You know, I don't need, fancy, and please don't get mad at me if you do this stuff. So don't yell at me, but you know, like I, I don't really need like fancy fonts or like the next cool thing oh, or yeah. like graphs and charts and, and, you know, like lots of just distracting things. I want to look at, you know, I place people on Wall Street, particularly compliance. You know, so these are like the police officers on Wall Street for the most part. So I want to see a resume that boom, like every bullet point is just on target with the job description, you know, so that I know, wow, this person is right. Because I look at, you know, you know, point one, point two, point three, And that's kind of all I need is once I do that, I'm like, okay, this person seems to have the right background, right skills for the job at hand, I'm going to go and, you know, I'm going to get right back Worth to that call. person yeah. right away, like just super right away. And conversely, if it's just jumbled, and it's not clear, and it just doesn't make sense. It could be the right person, but it just, I don't have the time to, I just can't, I can't figure it out. I just got to move well, on. Well, you, what you said about not having time that describes 99.2%, yeah. you know, everyone but our mothers, I think is in a rush when they're reading these documents. Right. Yeah. And um, you and I are in agreement that content needs to be king. All of the, yes. it's one of the issues I have with a lot of the templates that you see out there is that they they're so graphic heavy that they leave like this much room for the content. Um, I have used graphs and certain charts on occasion. Um, it depends on the industry, it depends on the role, um, but I will not put a graphic in there just for the sake of a graphic. It's when it quickly tells a story. So for instance, someone in sales, maybe they had, these were the revenue figures in 16, 2017, 18, 19. I might write those out, but it's really easy to depict that on a graph. That's a good so idea. It, and yeah. it saves the reader time. So I, I'm thinking about the reader the whole time. But look, right, putting graphs and charts is a hard thing to do on your own. Um, if I'm not a whiz-bang person at uh, Microsoft Word, I'm probably not going to include that. Um, mm -hmm. It's more important to be to be crystal clear on with your bullets and, and the content that's in there. You know, I never thought of that before, Virginia. But you know something? If I, let's say I was hiring for salespeople mm -hmm. and you would write a resume for someone that has a graph and you'd show a chart from when they started to like what they're doing. That would probably be super helpful because you don't need, then you don't even need to read some of the parts because you're going to see how that person progressed in terms of meeting and exceeding their quotas. It's, yeah. It's a chart. It's Sometimes a quick, that's even better, right? It, it's a quick, quick read. Yeah. Um, the caveat is, is that if you are uploading it online, the software can't read what's in the graph in the text boxes. So I do make sure to put that information elsewhere in the text. But it's all about facilitating a skim read. And what you were saying about not being jumbled up, that's facilitating the skim read. A chart in certain instances does the same thing. I run everything I write past my phone. And if I can't scroll with my thumb and get the salient points in you know, 10, 15 seconds, then I go back to the drawing board. 
you know, I didn't think in those terms. So I don't know the, the data on it. Maybe, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe you have it. Is it is it really more like almost everybody looks at these things at the phone now? Because I'm kind of, I got to admit, I'll look at my laptop. Yo, it's easier. Yes, I'm not going to. It's no, easier it's, for me. I think my sense anecdotally, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a recruiter, is that first round reads happen on some sort of a screen, whether right. that's your laptop, a mobile device. I do think that some hiring managers at some point might be, you know, in sales, they're on the road, they might be in their car. Um, but you still need to count on old school printing out down the road. And so what I always tell people is that anything you write for a screen read still prints out and it's easy to read. It's when you write for print that things don't always convey like stuff. If you're, if you print something out, we've all read books with paragraphs and just that you, you can read it, but that, that big fat paragraph on a six, five inch phone turns into like a 20 line paragraph and that makes your eyes glaze over mm -hmm. and makes you say it's too hard. I'm not going to read it. And so it's all about sort of facilitating the read and helping them to avoid wanting to skip it because it's too much. That's why those terms of agreement online with, you know, whenever you're signing a contract online, why they're, I think why they're written in like eight point font and they're, you know, this fat because they want you to skip it over. I, I didn't think of that. That's yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. You just, just click. Okay. I, I'm, I'm yeah, starting my life away. Click. Right. Right. Um, so keep your, I, I try to keep my bullets and paragraphs to two to three lines long. I add a little bit of space in between each and everything I write. Um, and that just makes your, it makes your eyes not bleed. It helps, it helps with readability or breathability, I suppose. You know, it, it, it seems that everything's changed. Give me an example. You know, the articles I write for Forbes, I, when I first started writing it, you know, I was pretty bad and, you know, have like, just, just keep going on. And then uh, one of the editors were saying, Hey, people just look at their phone when they're doing it. So you should cut it up and that you have like, you know, uh, a bold title, then a little something, then a bold title or something, because most people, like you said, aren't really looking. They're not on a computer. They're not on a laptop. They're looking at their phone and just scrolling through mm -hmm. And they just want to get those, you know, just get that information really quick and easy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love your articles on Forbes, by the way. But yeah, oh, the thanks. same principles that you, that I apply to resume writing, I apply to emails, writing blogs, writing, it applies to everything, a slide deck. Um, and just don't tell, I always joke around, don't tell your high school English teacher because it's very contrary to what we were taught way back when. But it changes, right? You have to change with it, right? Yeah. Like it took it's me a while to get, it took me a while to get to, okay, short attention span, need like the little bite-sized nuggets, mm -hmm. you know, and do that. But that's how it is. That's how people want to consume your information. It is. And I always say, please don't make me ever have to write for the uh, Apple Watch. So far, I'm only writing for the small phones. So, <laughs> so in, in addition to the resume, what you mm -hmm. do you write, like help people with their LinkedIn profile, the LinkedIn summary, even do you yeah, ghostwrite? Like if someone is, doesn't know how to kind of navigate themselves online and need help, do you do that too? Um, I used to do that part. Yeah. I, I, right now I'm focusing mostly on anything you need for your job search, resume, LinkedIn, cover letter, bio, thank you letter. Um, but I've ghostwritten, I look, I've, at this point I've written just about everything because I'm old. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're not old. First of all, second of all, the cover letter, is that, mm -hmm. I'm still not sure. Is that a still, 
a thing or not? Thing. So I, I, I have anecdotally sort of observed and polled people. And my takeaway is that they probably get thrown out at least a third to half of the time. But right. when they do get read, I've seen them make a difference. Um, some people are nuts about them. Some people absolutely hate them. Where I feel like they're really, really beneficial and almost more needed than not is if there's, an, I guess, an elephant in the room or something that you know someone's going to be asking, like, why are they making this move? Why are they switching to this industry? Um, why have they been out of work? Like Any things like that where you just want to answer something and cut it off at the past. To me, the cover letter is a great place to put that in there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because oftentimes you, you can't, there's something missing from a resume. You're not sure like what happened there. There's a gap. You're not sure. And mm -hmm. it sounds like, so what you'll do to help out your client is to really fill those blanks in and say, Hey, here's right. why they're gap, you know, or, you know, here's why I would take this job in California, even though it's not remote, here's why I would, you know, move over there. That's right. That's so then right. they it's get mixed sense. It's, con it's controlling the narrative. Um, and to me, there's no real downside to having a cover letter. Mm -hmm. Worst case, it can out, but what if it doesn't? And what if it makes a difference? Um, but I also feel like probably half the reason people throw them all out is because a lot of cover letters are sort of not very good. Just like and what, I've bland? Right. Well, they're just, yeah. they don't, yeah, they don't say much. Yeah. And, um, and I've actually tested, you know, chat GPT and Bard and all those with um, cover letters and they're just, they're super generic. I don't, I don't want to read those. I imagine you, you don't either. So. Yeah. You know, it's fun using it because to me, yeah, it, it gives you nothing's worse than you look at a blank piece of paper and you're like, I to start from scratch. So Where if you could actually start, have right. stuff right away, then it's like, Oh, this is way easier yeah. now. Now That's I could, right. I have something to work on. It's a great, great starting point for writer's block for sure. Now with LinkedIn, as you mentioned, um, I find a lot of the bios and I'm looking through the lens for me, you know, personally, everyone mm -hmm. goes and does for the, you know, their own thing. You know, I would be looking for candidates for the most part. Right. And oftentimes with the LinkedIn summaries and bios and profiles, I gotta tell you, a lot of times I don't even know what they do. Seriously. Like I gotta like scrutinize yeah. it. And then if I gotta kind of really scrutinize it, it's like, once again, I'll just move on. So what do you do to help your clients and for, and I know you can't do it for everybody in the world. So right, some right. people are going to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So for yourself, what you do, but then to give advice to the audience, like what should you do on your LinkedIn profile to stand out, to make sure people know who you are and what you do and how a recruiter could find you, an HR person could find you, you know, a corporate in-house talent acquisition person could find you. Sure. Um, so what I think happened is that at the beginning, everyone used to just cut and paste their resume into the profile. Right. And look, you were you were ahead of the game back then because you were on the profile where lots of people on the site when lots of people weren't. Then people got the word, the word has gone out. Oh, you need to customize it. You need to tell them about yourself. And then they went off the deep end with telling so much crazy stuff about yourself that then you look at it and you go, I don't, I don't know what you're, what you're targeting. So what I do when I'm writing the sections is the first thing I do is I do a deep dive of the, I use the resume builder tool and some of the other tools on LinkedIn to identify what the keywords are that I want to re I want someone like you to search right. to find the person under. Um, 
then I make sure to fill out as many sections as possible. So that the headline gets filled out, the about section, the experience section, the education and the skills. Those are the five mm -hmm. that absolutely need to be filled. And then if you can fill out more like honors, awards, certifications, blah, all that, that's great. Um, we, keywords in the headline can make a big impact. Keywords in the job titles can make a big impact and keywords in the skill section at the bottom can make a big impact. So I, based on my search, I make sure to weave those in there. Um, so the headline will, will list the role that they're targeting and maybe you have 200 characters to play with. I will include details about the person that weave in those keywords. Uh, with the about section, what I like to do is identify unique strengths and traits of someone, but then I go to the job postings. And when you sort of see three or four postings about that someone's interested in, mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, there is, there's common themes, there's common phrasing. And when you see it, that is your telltale sign that that's what they're looking for. So I weave that into the person's story and I, I, I do not like using adjectives to describe people. I feel like they're so overused, they, they don't pack a punch. But I will replace adjectives with little bits of information that are unique to someone's particular career history. So um, I, in the about section, I might lead off with a two or three lines that say, this is why people come to me. You know, when companies need, um, are looking to scale and grow, when companies are needing to, uh, I'm just, uh, now I'm drawing a blank, but Whatever it is that time and time again, you're brought in for, that's what I'll lead off with. Then I will, because you have 2000 characters to play with and if someone's sort of hooked, they'll keep on reading. Then I'll go into things of that sort of say, these are the things that companies can count on me for. Um, here are some things about me that you might not know. And that's where you can bring in some of the other stuff around your background that align, that maybe help to tell the story, make you unique, um, but reinforce your brand. Um, I don't know, let's say you've worked on a farm and so that work ethic is really important or you were in the military back when and so your leadership skills are, are second and none. That's stuff that I'm gonna weave into the paragraph. Um, then with your experience, I want to make sure to highlight your before and after story um, with each of the roles. The, the caveat to that is with your current role, you might not be able to go into a deep dive of, you know, if things were a hot mess mm -hmm. or there was big turnaround, you know, you can't, you can't throw your company under the bus. So what I will do is write that current experience in a way that shows, positions you as a really good brand ambassador to your company, but also a good candidate. So I will tell the reader why you've been brought in um, and share what I can share that still paints the company in as positive light. As possible. Is that is that's what I do when someone's currently employed. Yeah, you know, I love that. Does that so, so answer your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, if if we could just kind of okay. yeah, you know, go a little bit more deeper into it. So, sure. with if you're leaving the company, it's always that mm -hmm. awkward thing that you don't want to badmouth your you know your former boss sure. and coworkers because that just doesn't. It's not a good look. Bad luck. Mm -hmm. But so what you're saying, you could kind of, you know, like smooth it out. To yeah. say kind of sort of that, but not really saying, hey, my boss was a micromanaging jerk. Right, right. Or, person. you know, they, or the company was in the gutter when I got yeah. there and now it's not, you're not, you're not <laughs> going to say that, but there's a way to talk about transformation and, and things like that, that you can certainly show. And the second part, it sounds really interesting. He's telling that story, like a little tidbit 
about you personally. And I'm as you were saying that, I'm trying to think when the last time I saw that on, on a LinkedIn, but I don't know if I see it too much, but I would like to see that because so it, that it has to align back to what you're targeting. Yeah. Throwing it out there for, for just for the sake of including it, right. then you might lose the reader. But I, I try to just pick and choose what what is relevant to the target. So relevant would be if you have an interesting anecdote story about yourself, something you've done that's very unique and different and stand out, but it's just not a story. It relates to your career and why somebody should look at you and hire you, then use that, right? Right. And it, it, and it's more memorable. It makes you more memorable. It's those, those sorts of details are the things that, that click with people in their brains and, and that, yeah, they make you stand out. You think people don't do that enough because let's say on LinkedIn, there's always this, this is LinkedIn, not Facebook, or this is LinkedIn, mm -hmm. not Twitter, or whatever it may be, so that they're almost conditioned, oh, I have to be this corporate robotic person, and I got to fit in this you know, slot and be in my lane and not do anything. But what you're suggesting I mean, is kind of go outside a little bit, but make it make sense. Well, Again, make it tied to what yeah. you want to do next. Sometimes people, like if someone is really passionate about, maybe it's not a detail about their about their childhood or whatever, but maybe it's if if someone is really invested in in leadership and mentorship, then I might have a section that talks about their philosophy around leadership. Um, so that allows the reader to see a flavor of what makes up that person. Um, from a personality standpoint, but also ties back to what they can do to the, for the company. All right. Don't make fun of me. It, this. It, yeah. The more you're saying that, the more I'm thinking, like, we should really change the resume. I swear. And I'm not being a wise guy saying this. Like, I would like to see that on the resume. You know, let's say, like you said, a mentor or whatever. I would like to hear a little bit about that. You know, so I, if, if it's important to the person yeah. who is reading it, who, who I'm writing about, and it's clear mm -hmm. that the companies they're targeting that's important, yeah. then you can have a one liner that says you're, you know, champion of, of, of professional development, yeah. you know, yielding many employees that have been promoted. Boom, that's a one line. But then you can build that out on your LinkedIn. Now, what should you take out of like the mm -hmm. LinkedIn profile summary or resume? Are there cer certain things that you would feel is like taboo? And I don't mean over the top crazy stuff, but just certain things like yeah. politics or what have you, where you would say to a client, you know, maybe let's just not go there. Yeah. So to me, it depends on how much those details are deal breakers. So right. if, to me, it's all part of your brand and a brand can repel or can attract. And if you want, to have a brand that's a little bit more neutral, that doesn't offend anybody, then there's things you just, you leave off politics, religion. Um, again, depends on where you mm -hmm. live too. Like in the South, religion is a little bit more accepted than other parts of the country. Um, if you absolutely do not want to work with someone that whose views do not align with you on those topics, then you do include it. You know, when the whole vaccine question came out back when, so what I said, I said, if you won't work somewhere where vaccine nation is optional then you need to you need to have that on there um so i pick and choose based on what the person wants um other things that i leave off are you know, things that aren't really relevant lots of times if you're making a career shift for instance you're not going to include the stuff from your role that is not relevant to that new role or that industry if you um 
18 years ago took two years off and you scooped ice cream at Baskin Robbins and you're targeting the CTO world, that, that might not be relevant. So I'm not, it doesn't matter. I'm including that I take that stuff off. So again, you're, you're writing about the past right. with the future in mind. You know, you, you mentioned before a little bit ago about skills, you know, to put it there. I hear so much now about, hey, we're hiring for skills. We're doing this for skills. But that is that really a thing? Because when I find out they'll say that, that they're hiring for skills, but then they say, nope, we want you to have that actual experience. You know, uh, yeah. what's, what do you see? Like, is that? I think they want both, right? Yeah. Ideally. Um, so I'm never going to not write about both. I'm going to include the skills. I'm going to include whatever experience I can and try to tie the two together. Short answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. It's, what do it's you just, think? I don't know, because there's, I, I can't tell you how many articles I've seen and, and LinkedIn itself saying, oh yeah, we're like promoting the sense you have to have skills, 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 skills. But then, you know, when I see from, you know, from recruiting or from, I hear from candidates, it's not about the skills. It's like the, yeah. you have the exact, well, this is what goes back to the resume too. They look for the exact. It has to be like, they look the, for the fit. Like the job description, right? You're charged with finding the yeah. closest candidate. Exactly. Match, so that is a different ballgame. Um, to me, if you lack the exact experience, yeah. you, what I do is I try to find the experience that is closest to that and mm -hmm. show how it's transferable. Um, because people it's you're a riskier proposition you're a riskier candidate if they're if you can't show that alignment right. and my job is to try to make it so that it's the closest match for people like you um but you're i do feel like your best bet at making mm -hmm. headway with someone that is where you really don't have the experience is to try to speak with decision makers and make the case before them um because again recruiters are hired to find the best match that's your job um, and so finding someone that's totally out there that doesn't have the experience, that's, that's a, that's a risky move. Do you have, speaking of risky moves, do you have to mm -hmm. do something different? If let's say you've just, you're burnt out, you're at the end of the rope and you just don't want to do the same thing anymore. Now you have to pivot or even reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, how would you do that in a resume to come across and say, okay, I know I don't have, you know, I don't, I don't do whatever. Gosh, I gotta get, I, you know, I gotta get I gotta out what get I'm out. doing. Yeah. I gotta yeah. do. I want to do something yeah. completely different. Have you have you worked with executives like that? That that you just have to somehow put it put a story together to make sense. So you yeah. So usually what I do though is someone is really struggling to figure out their next mm -hmm. best move. I have a list of people that specialize specialize in helping people figure that out get, to get real career clarity. Um, but I recommend people that just have got to get out to if they want to land as quickly as possible to pick something that is really closely ancillary to their industry. So let's say they are, um, I don't know, they want, they're in medical device, there is medical device mm -hmm. sales and they, or some sort of sales and they want to switch to another industry. Maybe you, um, you pick an industry that is closely related to that one mm -hmm. and you try to make it sort of a micro pivot and then recognizing that maybe the next move is, is to, to your ultimate goal. So it's a series of move versus a one big giant move. Um, but sometimes people are have a lot of maybe volunteer experience mm -hmm. in that wor world. Um, I wrote for someone who was, she was an operations executive for a Fortune 500 manufacturing company. And she 
wanted to go work in in pet their you know pet nonprofit stuff. But mm -hmm. she's done hours and hours and years and years of nonprofit work. And so um, we wrote it for that, which meant we let a whole lot off on our resume related to her Fortune 500 stuff because that wasn't relevant. And we spoke to the volunteer stuff. So it's possible. So, so you know, you can Yeah, kind of, I mean, she, yeah. she had to she had to network like mad to get mm -hmm. in, um, but she 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 did land. Um, it, it it takes more legwork, but she if it if it was it was really important to her. She was willing to take a pay. She ended up taking a pay cut because the industry just paid a lot less. Um, but she did it, and she needed documents that really explained it. And we pulled. From her Fortune 500 experience, we talked about her leadership there. Um, you know, we talked about things that would be relevant to working she worked with the SPCA that would be relevant for that um, and left off the stuff that wasn't. Now, I don't know if this is a fair question to ask, but, mm -hmm. you know, you're an expert in the space. You probably see lots and lots of resumes. Mm -hmm. Are there something for the audience that you could tell like here, here's like, if you do this on your resume, ugh, this is terrible. Don't do it. Like the do's and don'ts, you know, what, what, do you remember it used to be in the highlights, like goofus and gallant kind of thing? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. what is good? What is bad? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what is like the, you know, the, the good version of like, wow, you did a great job. You don't even need my help. I don't want to take business away from you, but you know, like, so no, yeah, yeah. Need you I, mean, anyway. I turn people down a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like so what's good or what's really, oh my gosh, don't do this. This is just awful. All right. Well, let me lead off with the good. Um, the <laughs> right, good yeah. is when there is a clear headline that says this is what right. they're targeting. The paragraph that follows explains why that person would, it makes sense that they're targeting that role that they listed up top. If their experience is in, uh, what is it, reverse chronological order with the most current stuff first, uh, all the way to the end, and that the bullets that they have chosen reflect the things that they are proudest of. Um, and if it's easily readable, whether I'm on my iPhone or if I print it out. The, when it's, the things that make my eyes bleed are <laughs> four or five page resumes, um, text that's as long as my arm when it's just so thick, um, over stylized resumes where there's so much graphics um, that it's become secondary to the content. Um, and, but probably my biggest pet peeve is when you look at it and you go, I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what kind of job you want. Um, don't make me figure it out. I hear you. The, the one that really does irk me where you have mm -hmm. You know, two, three, four, five, six. I haven't seen them lately. It used to be. I, I guess people kind of, you know, got enough pushback on their resumes that they stopped. But yeah. for a while, you know, I'm talking about some years back, you know, you would see like five pages, mm -hmm. like crazy long. That, it's like, what? Look, if you're, if you're doing a curriculum vitae or a CV <laughs> and you're targeting a wor a work in universities or in um, research, in development or you're doing a federal resume then you can you can go as long as you want um but the rest of the world you you should not okay I, i'm embarrassed but i'm going to admit this mm -hmm. i don't know the difference between a cv and a yeah. resume what is the difference um, all right so if you're a doctor it, okay. you will have a cv and it's like it looks like it's 100 years old it's 
<laughs> one inch margins, all really, really long. And it lists every presentation, every talk you've done, every everything you've ever done in your life. Um, that's a CV. A, a federal resume is different. Federal resumes, you have to list other things like, I think you have to list your title, your manager, like there's just all sorts of additional details. And you also include everything from the dawn of day. Resumes that I write and that you like to see are really more marketing materials where they, you pick and choose what's relevant. You, um, you don't need to go back to something you've done in 1972. You focus, you know, mostly on the last 15-ish years, all of that. And they read following, to me, I write them following the principles that you do in journalism, where you think you write a headline, you write a paragraph that tells you what the story is going to be about, and then you go into the details. I, I swear to you, I'm today's years old and to know what a CV is. I really, I, like, it is. I really yeah. thought it was interchangeable. But a lot of people use them. A lot of people use them interchangeably. In Europe, they do. Yeah. So. Yeah, I really thought I don't like CVs. I find them so tedious. So. Yeah. I, I don't want to gaslight any of your, your clients or anyone like that, but right. do you have people who come into you and you know, they have to tell their story so you could tell their story. Yeah. And do you find like they just can't articulate what they do? And it does it drive, does that happen? Does that drive you nuts? Like you just can't figure out what are you trying to tell me? Not really. Really? Um, okay. Where I think, so not, not because, so because I, my process, I do everything through conversation where I think right. people get tripped up is when they um, have to sort of write out their thoughts on their job. I think that there's a disconnect for people there, but um, I can ask them questions really basically. Okay, why why did you get? Why were you brought to this role? Did you replace someone? Were you new? Um, what happened with this? What happened with that? And you can sort of stair step the conversation to get the story that you need to get. People it's, are pretty good about it. It's interesting because like I'll see I'll often hear people where I'll ask them about, you know, what are you doing? You know, what are you looking to do? And so forth. And believe it or not, so many people, it's hard for them to just say, oh, you know, I'm an accountant and I want to do X, Y, Z. And here's a company I want to work for and, and make it really easy. A lot of times yeah. they just like, they're, they're like stuck. You know, they don't know how to really address what they do. And, and clearly they do know what they do, but it's just. Right. Well, that's when really you're asking them to be very succinct about it. Yeah. <laughs> my job is to get the yeah. whole story and they're good right. at walking me through it. And then mm. I make it this thing for them. So then they can right. look at the paragraph that I wrote in the resume, the, re the paragraph I wrote in LinkedIn, and you can create an elevator speech from that. So it's write, my job do, to make it this thing. Did you write elevator speeches for people? E elevator pitches? Yeah, that's, yep. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the best things ever. Yeah. You know, can, can maybe, can you yeah. describe to the audience who, who may not be aware, you know, what a, Elevator pitches. Well, so an elevator speech is a brief. Is I guess the origins were you're in an elevator with someone and you need to quickly tell them on the you know the span of three floors yeah. what it is you do. So it's what 15 seconds, 15 to 30 seconds yeah. of this is why um, this is what I'm targeting. This is what I do, and this is um, this is what I'm good at. It, so yeah, I write all of that stuff for people, yeah. but it, that's hard. I, I think that's a tall order for people to explain about themselves without having done a re real reflection of what they do, what they want to target, all of that. 
But to me, I find it really helpful. It's almost like even if you can write a script, you know, saying, and mm -hmm. you fill in the blanks that, hey, this is, you know, I'm Jack Kelly, you know, I'm a founder, CEO of the Compliance Search Group. I place mid to mm -hmm. senior level compliance executives, you know, place thousands of people, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And then you have it. And the reason I'm looking now, I want to do something internationally and take it to the next level. So that if you have that pitch, I find out then when you go into interviews, it's much better because then you are armed. You know what you're going to say. You don't have to kind of do it on the fly. And you That's just right. kind of tailor That's for each person. Right. Have you seen that software, Udly, Y-O-O-D-L-I? No, what was that? Um, it's, I tested it at the Career Thought Leaders Conference in San Diego in the spring. And it's, a, it's an AI software. And it it I tested it with a tell me about yourself one. And it, I, you know, I talked into the into the recording and then it, gave me feedback and, you know, it kept allowing me to perfect it. It's pretty cool. And it's very affordable. Um, I, I think that if you, if you have like a solid resume on LinkedIn, it's a, you can sort of take the ideas and spit them into the system and it'll help you to refine that message um, for people that are, you know, trying to do this stuff on a lean budget. Now, where, where do you stand on AI relative to, you know, elevator pitches to mm -hmm. the resume to, you know, uh, LinkedIn summaries, are you, you know, are you pro con or, you know, depends. So everything we talked about, it's, it's, it's a great place as a starting point, mm -hmm. but I find that I have to heavily edit, edit what I write. What I'm really cautious about though, is I don't want to put my client's personal information into that CBT because then it becomes the public property and somebody else might take it and take my client stuff to, to oh, wait, use as their own. I'm not aware of that. Wait, so I don't mean to interrupt. So I feel I, like I've, I, I feel like I've, people have talked about that. So I'm just, I'm yeah. really cautious. So I'm not going to put someone's resume into the, into ChatGPT and say, write a, write a cover letter for this. Um, because I don't, I don't want their experience in there. Um, but I might say, write an elevator pitch for this role and see what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And then, edit it to include details about my client. So in other words, if let's say I would put my resume, now how would you do it? You would put, upload your resume or you would just kind of. Kind of, yeah, I, get, I mean, you could very cut and paste it, but just right into the prompt. And then but that, I don't into, know, it scares me. Mm -hmm. So then if it's in there, you run the risk of they're going to know, all right, here's my address. Here's my phone number. Here's my email. Not even just everything. that, all of your achievements, everything, everything. And then some, yeah. I would think somebody else could take it and and put it make it their resume yeah and just change the numbers on it or whatever so yeah, i just thought it's like a couple of lawsuits like sarah silverman a comedian actually because of Did the scra of scraping all like all this stuff and i guess you put right. stuff in there and they're so, like wait a minute i never gave it makes you me nervous you know. yeah so i use it for generic things yeah. that i can then customize on my own it's again it's a great starting point if i'm having writer's block, but I, I've, I end up editing at least 60%, if not more of it. This is a different kind of question, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Given the market we're in now, you know, high inflation, high interest rates, you know, 3% today. I saw that it went down a little bit. I don't know. Do you, I, I'm <laughs> sus about these on numbers. 9% is not I, really good. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. And, different so, podcast. And, and do you find it where it's diff like people are different depending on like what's going on in the market. Like when people come into you now, are they more freaked out and scared than they were, let's say, 
maybe after we got out of the pandemic and things started getting mm-hmm. looking good a little bit. Like, like yeah. what's the vibe so, check? Definitely people are more freaked out, more nervous about losing yeah. their job. But the interesting thing is that, well, the good thing is the things you need to do to stand out in a really strong market are the same things you need to do when the market's tight. Because when the market was great, everyone is just, oh, let me just test the waters. And so you're competing against the masses where mm-hmm. um, when the market's tight, then you're dealing with people that are maybe less opportunities. Um, so you, you're, you need to stand out and do the same things. What I am seeing is people coming to me saying, I'm a little nervous about my job. I want to be prepared just in case versus I like my job, but I want to see what the, what the next opportunity is. Um, I'm also seeing sort of industry-wide people, things taking longer, mm. decisions taking longer, people throwing I, I've called it, before, you know, death by consensus. And I, I got into this business in 2008 for real. So I saw the recession and, you know, 9-11, like you, all this stuff. And whenever things feel shaky, I, I feel like people get, need hiring managers need to bring more people into the, high, into the decision-making process. So they're like, oh, go meet that person too. Or I want you to talk to this person. Here's one more thing that I want you to do. And I'm seeing more of that. That is the worst. You, and, and, and oh my God, if you don't mind, yeah. we, to get, we could we could just pivot a little off of the resume yeah. for a minute to go with that because this is like yeah. something for the audience who's watching this now. I know you're watching for Virginia and and you know resume advice, but if you're going through this, and I think this really hurts the self-esteem and confidence of people, is that you go on one, two, three, four, five, six interviews, meeting 10 people over the course of, could be up to a year, and I'm not exaggerating. And what I find out, what I think, is that what happens, person doesn't want to make a decision to hire someone. They're scared. They're worried if they hire the wrong person, especially in a tough market, the boss mm-hmm. will blame it on me. Jack, you're a bozo. Why did you hire that person? This person just did a really bad thing and cost us millions of dollars. So what ends up happening is as exactly what you said. It's decision by consensus. So now I would say, hey, boss, hey, Virginia, boss, I'm not the only one who made the decision. Yeah, Jane, Job, yeah. Bob, Phil, mm-hmm. whatever. So in the strength in numbers, so like it's hard to blame everybody. But yeah. it's the way I equate it, Virginia, it's almost like if you have a, you have a big family. So I can imagine mm-hmm. when you try to decide what are we going to send out to eat dinner and what movie we're we going to watch? And you probably can't get like no, anyone to I'm decide. I'm the emperor of the world with that. I think, oh, okay. So, yeah. so sorry. <laughs> That's a little different because you have an emperor doing yeah. it. Okay. Or an emperor's doing it, right? But for yeah. like lots of times you don't. And then all you do is squabble and nothing happens. Mostly, yeah. right? Like after a while you realize yeah, yeah. it's now yeah. nine o'clock at night. No, we're not going to watch no TV now. Yeah. We're not eating. We're not sitting out for pizza because it's too yeah. late. And now nothing yeah. is done. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> and I think people don't get... And you don't, they don't hear these stories. So they just think it's them. They think like, I just went through all this. What happened? Why did I not get it? And they don't realize they didn't get it because there were like 10 people had to make a decision and they couldn't make a decision. Yeah. I, 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 my brother's been looking for a job for about six months and he's had tons of interviews in a couple of offers, but the latest one, it was like, he's still in the fifth round. And then the person said, oh, let's go out for coffee. And he called me and he's like, what does this mean? I was like, honest to God, I don't know. Usually coffee's 
first round. I don't know what to make of it anymore. But this, it's, it's, they it's don't a, want to make a, a decision. Dicey, it's a dicey time in this particular industry in particular. So, yeah. No, and I'm glad you brought it because I think, you know, and, and I'm going to kind of talk about this more in a lot of these LinkedIn lives, because mm -hmm. I think, you know, like the regular person going about their business, they don't realize it. They think it's just them. They feel, no, oh, bad not. luck. My boss, you know, hates, hates me. So he's sabotaging me. But a lot, it's just, that's how it is now. The structure of it is just broken. It so, really is. And, and just... so what I encourage people to do, and I'm curious to hear your feedback yeah. being on the receiving end, is to tell people it's okay to, number one, at the end of it, every interview, ask for what next steps are. So you have a sense of that timeline. Yes. But it's okay to reach out once a week. Um, you can alternate, maybe email once and then uh, in mail another time and then maybe voicemail. So you don't feel like you're spamming them on the same <laughs> pool. Yeah. Um, but that way you're saying, you know, I'm still interested. Is there anything else you need from me to help you make your decision? But you're, you're not feeling like a stalker, but you're showing interest and, and keeping your name in there as long as you want to keep your name in there. What, what do you think about hundred percent? hundred. I agree yeah. with you hundred percent because what ends up happening, I hear so many people say to me, you know, even just people like who I know who are looking for jobs, I'm not representing them or anything. They just like, they know what I do for a living. So they mm -hmm. pick my brains and, you know, should I reach out? What should I, yeah, because I then they don't reach out and then more time goes by and then it gets awkward and it gets weird. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, know. I, I think it's only fair if you invest your time, your energy to go and go through this emotional roller coaster. I think it's fair that you can send a text, you can send an email, you can give a phone call. And I think it's only fair that someone in the organization will pick up that phone call and answer your email and text. I don't think that's outrageous. That's right. to and ask. if they don't, if they get really frustrated with you, then maybe yeah. that's a sign of what think, what what's going on there. And maybe that's not the right yeah. place for you. I agree. Agreed. Which is hard. I know. No, but it's true. It's like if you if this is how they're acting to you and you're not even there. Yeah. And and they're stringing you along then like, why would it change once you start working? There? What are the odds this right, change, right? right? Right, right. It's obviously right. a high stress time for that company, so. So what have I not asked you about the resume, about LinkedIn writing, or just in general, because you're not just, you know, a storyteller and a resume writer, but like, because of what you do, you speak to so many different peoples from so many different walks of lives, you know, senior executives, what have you? I'm sure you have family, friends who hit you up. Like, are there things that you, you know, that you feel would be really cool to share with everybody? You know, different insights. This, yeah, this isn't really related to writing your documents, yeah. but to me, it's really important that your network be very diversified. Mm. Um, everyone, whether you're job hunting or not, needs to have in their network people a couple levels above you, people a couple levels below you, people that are recruiters, people that are hiring managers, um, that way when you do need, and you need to keep up with them, that doesn't mean you need to talk to them every day, but maybe certain, make it a point in your life twice a month to reach out to someone. How are you doing? What's going on? Whatever it is. That way, when you do need to job search that you've, you've got that group ready to help mobilize on your behalf. Um, I have never advocated for applying online as sort of that very first point of entry. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel, again, a diversified approach works best. You want to connect with people that you know while you're looking at job boards. 
um, and see what you could do to have people on the other end looking for you when you are applying online. Um, to me, that that strategy together with clarity around what you're what you want to do next and documents to back it up are the way that you land whether you're in a really good market or really bad market. Um, it's it's tried and true. Yeah, I'm with you on that because it, it's you, this way you don't have to go solo. You know, you could have no. A it's team hard to go solo. You. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Job search is hard, um, and it's not most for most people. It's not fun. So you want someone to share the ups and the downs with. You, you know, I'm curious about what you think about it. I feel a lot of people hear networking, and it has that that ickiness of like you go to a I'm big not conference sales, room, I'm not networking yeah right with like a sticker on your on your lapel yeah. like with your name on it and with that black magic marker and you're like oh hi Virginia yeah. this is Chad Kelly nice right. to meet you and it's just so fake and phony and weird so I think it's that stigma but really what it is is just you're just meeting people and, and forming connections and and finding like-minded folks and it has it's always for me, it's always been the case. I graduated from college in the 20th century and I cut all of my jobs from talking to people and get every time I, I would talk with someone, I'd say, who else do I talk to? Can you think mm -hmm. of anybody else and get names and then follow it up with those people? I did that to move to a new city. Um, back then there was no Zoom. So I would meet people in places and um 10, 15 minutes of their time, not everyone would say yes, but all you need are one or two people to say yes. And then that leads to more and more. Um, and it, it has led to every opportunity I've ever gotten. I, I think before LinkedIn was a thing, before when Rolodexes were yeah. a thing, all of that. So I think you just have to have that little bit of courage to reach out. And the reason yeah, I say that, because not, for a lot of people, it's hard. Your job. You're, you're yeah. learning about the company, you're learning about the people, you're learning about the industry to see if you might like it, if you might not like it, um, seeing how you can help them, it's it's it is keeping in touch with people and 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 learning more about other people. You know, and it goes both ways too, because then you have yeah. this kind of relationship where then down the road that person could freely get back to you and say, "Hey, Jack, Virginia, can you help me out? My kid's looking for and this." You're happy do you know to anything? do it. You're happy. You're absolutely happy to do it. Yeah. And you want to do it because you want to show like appreciation that they helped That's you right. out. So you want to do a good job and help them out. So it's self-fulfilling. Right. And finding sometimes, you know, sometimes you might not know that person, but you might be two people away from that person. Yes. So finding what's good about LinkedIn is that you can go and other social media is you can find those people and you can try to find commonality. Um, I People reach out to me regularly just based on the fact that I went to a tiny university. Um, it's, it's a very powerful network for such a small little school. Um, and I'll talk to anyone who went to my alma mater. You might find out like if you same town, same school, yeah. you know, root for the same yeah. team, you know, you find that little commonality and That's then it right. opens up and you break the ice. And then before you know it, yeah. you're like fast friends and you're helping each other That's out. Right. Yeah. Go spiders. <laughs> so mm -hmm. to wrap it up, let, let, let's okay. for the people out there. To, to for the resume who aren't using or can't afford the services because you know the mm -hmm. all walks of life you know who probably are listening yeah. to this you know what's a good takeaway where they're they've been stressed about writing the resume they've been putting it off putting it off putting it off putting it off 
but now they they watched you. They're like, wow, I really like the information that Virginia was saying. I'm going to rewatch this a few times to make sure I get it. Mm-hmm. Any 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 just like okay, here's the basics. What you can do just to get just to get started because that's the hardest part. Just to get yeah. started, get it up and running. Um, so I'm going to give a big, a quick plug to a company that I helped found and I'm no longer involved mm-hmm. in it, but I, well, I am, but not as it. Job Search Journey has really solid templates that are in Microsoft Word that are designed to prioritize content over format. So that's, if you need just a template to get started, that's a good one. But when you are thinking about your story, pretend like you're on a, HGTV before and after, you know, home improvement. What were, what did it look like when you got there? What does it look like now? How did you help to get it from A to, from before to after? And the answers to those questions are what you're going to put in your resume. And, and would, this sim- would this be similar when you're writing your, again, you're trying to figure out, LinkedIn. I got to update my LinkedIn, I, you know, I left it, it's kind of old and not yeah. right. So LinkedIn, it's the same themes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is basically, it's, it's the same, a lot of the same content. There's, again, with LinkedIn, you might not go into the same level of detail, but it's high level mm-hmm. before and after stories. This is great. This is great. You know what? Thank uh, you. Yes, uh, good question. Well, well thank you. know, because this is one of these things, you know, that the resume is so mission critical for everything. And it's right. kind of frustrating that that that's kind of you have to have like a really good resume to get oh. noticed. And so like this is it. Like I, people and it's people an don't know what piece to do. Of the puzzle. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, yeah. but the, you know, the other pieces are also important. The, the, who, you know, mm-hmm. I think is in, in the getting in front of people that's, yeah. that's as crucial. Otherwise the resume goes into cyberspace a lot of yeah. times. So um, it's a hard, it's really hard to write about yourself. So it's don't beat yourself up if you can't, I, I didn't write yes. my own resume. Really? Mm, no way. It's too hard. My own blood, sweat, and tears. I would never do it. Well, it makes see, and that's exactly what I think for most people. Like they just this is something you want to put off, put off, put off because it's yeah. like uncomfortable. It's weird. Yeah. It just just you have a hundred well, other things you rather do. That's right. And people that are good writers call me and they'll go, "I'm so embarrassed because I write for yeah. a living and I can't write my own." And I love working with those people because it makes the editing so much better. They can edit yeah. the heck out of it um, and <laughs> yeah. take make it take it to the next level. But it's just getting that first story down is is tough. Oh, all right. I'm li- I lied. I have one last question. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Because I've always recommended to people you have like a core resume, but mm-hmm. then tailor it towards the job you're doing. Doesn't mean you have to start all over again, but just just kind of make another version off the first one that tweaks it and just drives the point home. Like you don't have to say anything you didn't do, but you really want to put mm-hmm. that front and center. What do you think about having, you know, a core and then different resumes for different right. types of roles? So I've seen people do that effectively. Yeah. Um, they have a list of bullets and they might pick and choose that. Yes. What I do when I'm writing is I ask to see several job postings so that I can find the commonalities. And then there are the way that I go about or how I tell my clients to customize it is I say, tweak the headline at the top. If you have a skill section, you can add or remove based on what you're seeing. And then with the bullets, I recognize that people when they are particularly when they're skimming and they're online, they read the first one, then the last one, then stuff in the middle. And so I might move certain ones up and down based on 
whatever that job target is. Wait, can I, I didn't know, wait. So they'll read the first one? Yeah, so people one online the read, they read top, bottom, middle, and then left, right, middle. Wait, 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 wait. We're, all, we're like, we're like wait, squirrels you, when we read online. Wait, you you blow my mind here. Wait, wait. Okay. Like, so, so whether like it's a resume or just anything, like they'll read the first. So point? not as much in print yeah, because yeah. print we're trained to read books, right? You go top, okay. bottom, you know, right. top, but on screens, we, we jump around. And when we're looking at lists, yeah. Um, watch yourself do it. It's while you read the top and then you jump to the bottom. I'll check that out. If like, you happen I... to have extra time, you might go to the second one, but people rarely go to the third and fourth. And then when you're looking at oh. like a bunch of things in a row, they do they do bookends. They would do right, left, and then middle. I'm gonna check it out. Like whoever's watching this, yeah. check this out too. I, I wonder I know, if we're all doing me, that. Like without... what study is that? I, I cannot remember, but I learned it back. The Virginia study. You could just take clay. They well, say it's yours. Well, but they used to do that in um, in newspapers with graphics yeah. and stuff like that. That was a practice. So. So so I learned. So today I learned about the CV. Today years old. When. <laughs> yeah. Then, then you, you hit the first point and then you pop down to the last one. And then you look on the bookends. All right. I'm going to yeah. see if I do that. So, like, this, like order it. so wait, if you're doing like a table of things, yeah. put the really good stuff top in the corners on the four corners damn all right some good advice look at this you're just giving oh, out hey. some great this is awesome so uh, this is why i want you on here this is great right. so so you you, you know made the resume which everyone is like freaked out about it made it easy straightforward so uh, everybody who's watching it understands it anyone who's going to watch it as we just you know we repost it and post it so people could watch it so this way there's no excuses that they can know how to do a resume, not to be worried. They have Virginia on their side and just listening to her calm, rational way of doing things. So this is this is fantastic. And you're going to help a lot of people because for a lot of folks, like, you know that, I know that it's misery. It's all so hard. Yes, so you is. just made it like their life much easier. So this is terrific. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Really good questions. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Great answers, you know? So this is your part. This has been amazing. And, and this is what I'm trying to do with, with these things to really just have experts like yourself, you know, give these insights, you know, that you wouldn't know unless you're an expert and you do this day in and day out, day in, day and out. And I love you. you know? You're getting guests that really, that are spanning the gamut. They're just, yeah. I love that you're tackling all topics because job search yes. is a process. There's not, exactly. there's, plenty of, there's different places where it breaks down. Not everyone needs a resume. If you're getting tons of interviews, you don't need mates. You need someone who specializes in interviewing. And what I'm going to do, so don't laugh at me, like, because we're going on vacation for a couple of weeks with the family. Okay. But I, we've been going, this is going good with the LinkedIn Lives, and I feel like it's interrupted, but I, we've done LinkedIn Lives during like the pandemic and before. So I was thinking oh, yeah. of just re-earth those. Do a best of. What do you, because that could be interesting. It's only three years ago, but like the world was so different. You know, I know. So, That's when you curious. and I first met at the first online conference. Yeah. Like, when we were in big time lockdown. The, the Hope Summit, right? Or was there another yeah, one? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, maybe it was that. I can't remember. You, you moderated a thing I was on. So, yeah. So it's like, it would be interesting. So this way I could keep the, you know, keep it going, right? Because you know what? Yeah, when, there you when go. You're exercising to whatever you always want to keep, like, keep it moving and don't stop. So I, I'll, I'll kind of unearth the best of, and it'll be there interesting. I wonder if we like, where we're, you would hear, let's say yourself, if you were on it, how different it would be now. Like, 
Oh my so, gosh. Well, all those talks about how to talk into a camera, like all that we focus so much on that because nobody knew what to do. Yeah. Yes. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Virginia. This thank was you. this is wonderful. Happy vacation. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.